Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we have gathered out here in your creation to worship and to praise you this morning. We hear the sounds of your creation. We hear your children rejoicing. We have sung your praises to the highest of heavens. And, O Lord, our hearts cannot help but be moved. So as we focus on your word this morning, let us listen with eager ears and open hearts so that our lives might be transformed and that we would go out into creation, out into this world, and that we would show you that we are not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So when I was in seminary, one of the things that they require us to do is field education. That's where they give us sort of a summer internship, and they assign seminary students to churches. And so we get to play preacher before we actually get to be preachers, which is always interesting in its own right, because we're figuring out the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs of ministry. And while we're on our field ed time, we have cohorts, groups of other seminary students where we gather together, Usually we gather by the lake shore and we talk shop for about two hours and then we spend the next six playing in the water. Um, and I can remember my friend Steve one year, Steve Dams was his name, and Steve was um, a sign of this church just south of where I was. He was in Denver, North Carolina, where it's never cool. Uh, and I was in Cheryl's Ford uh, just on the other side of the river. And we were there, we were talking about this event that happened one day at Steve's church. Steve had preached... It was a communion Sunday, and he'd gone to uh, a church member's house for dinner afterwards. And while they were there, it got really quiet on the front porch. So this church member had brought, had not only had her husband and Steve, but also had her children and her grandchildren there. And she said, it's eerily quiet on the front porch. Now, those of you with small children know what I'm talking about. You know that when it gets eerily quiet... Nobody's napping. They're up to something. And so Steve said, oh, I'll go out and look. So Steve goes out on the front porch, and he sort of makes this big entrance, swings the screen door open, and he comes out there, and Savannah has got all of her stuffed animals lined up on the front porch. And she's got a roll and a sippy cup. And she looks at Steve, and she goes, Shh, we're taking communion. 
Now, I grew up going to church. I can't imagine ever wanting to play with my toys and have, you know, my army men or whatever taking communion. But somehow or other, at that moment, in that worship service that Sunday, Savannah thought it was so important that her stuffed animals take communion. And so she created a worship service there on the front porch. I think of that often when we have days like today where we are gathered together not in our normal setting and we have our children playing all around us and moving and wiggling and singing along with the music, tapping along with the beat. And I think this story gives us some perspective. See, the text that Laura Lynn just read, we've got Jesus there with the disciples and people are bringing the children to them and, and all of a sudden... The grown-ups in the room are kind of like, no, you don't need to do that. This is no place for children. This is grown-up stuff. They won't get it. They'll be bored. But see, Jesus has this whole different idea. I think if we really think about Jesus' ministry, it's sort of the whole idea behind his ministry is to change the conventional thinking that society gives us. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You've got this wrong. Let the children come. Because what he's really saying is let them come because how else will they learn if they're not in our midst? How else will we learn from them if they are not in our midst? If you fast forward with me to today, as busy as our lives are, we have probably uttered some of those same phrases, haven't we? This is no place for children. They'll be bored. This is grown-up stuff we're talking about. They won't understand it. But you know, as well as I do, that Jesus is right. This is exactly where children need to be. This is exactly where we need to be. And if we're going to take our role to make disciples, if we're going to take that role seriously, then we need to encourage our children to be in our midst. We need to encourage them to be with us because how else will they learn and how else will we learn from them? See, one of the things that I learned as a father is that our children are sponges. They are always learning. Even when you think they're not learning, oh, are they learning? I mean, I'm sure that Savannah's parents and Savannah's grandparents thought, well, she's in church, it's great. She kind of gets the idea about communion, but Savannah took it to the heart. Hard enough to think that her stuffed animals needed to experience the meal of the kingdom as much as she did. Children learn by mimicking. They learn by parroting. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how we've kind of got to watch the words that we say because our children repeat them. Don't they? Think about it. You're riding along and something happens. You slam on the brakes and you know what you're thinking, but your child says it for you. Yeah, not always your best parenting moment, is it, right? See, that's why it's important for us to make room for children, for us to invite them in. I'm thankful that our children's ministry thinks that it's very important for us to teach our children. We teach them songs like My Lighthouse. We teach them about God's love. We teach them the Bible stories. We even teach them, though they're not aware of it, we're teaching them theology the study of God and what God means for our world. 
I'm thankful that in our worship service that we have worship bags to engage them because it's true. It's, it's a long time to sit still and to pay attention and figure out why do we stand up? Why do we sit down? Why do we recite this? Why do we do that? But they've got those worship bags and let's, guess what? While they're drawing, while they're working on whatever they find in those worship bags, they are listening and soaking it up. Sure, they wiggle some. Sure, they whisper to their parents in a dull roar because children don't really know how to whisper, do they? But they're learning. Ask them. Ask them because it's not often that if you really ask them, engage them, what did you hear in church today? They will tell you the nugget of the sermon if they're really listening. And sometimes you may have to prompt them a little bit, but they are listening. So the other day when we gave our third graders Bibles, I told you all, I said, I told the parents, I said, parents, let them catch you reading your Bible. Let them catch you reading your Bible. And to all of you, I say, let our children catch you reading. Let them catch you worshiping. Let them catch you praying. Let them catch you being positive and talking about your church and inviting others in because you know why. If you do that, guess what they will do? Just that. But don't just do that. Don't just let them catch you. Also engage them. Ask them questions. Greet them. Talk to them. Even if they're not your children. Even if they sit in front of you. You all are much like every other church I know. You sit in the same seats week in and week out. Because if they ever let me out of the pulpit on a Sunday morning and I get to sit with you, I'm going to have to ask where I can sit because I'll sit in your seat otherwise, won't I? But growing up, on the fourth row at the 845 service, we would sit there. The Stockton's were in front of us, and Zeb Barnhart would sit behind us. And Zeb entertained my brother and I. He taught us how to fold a dollar bill. How to take our offering and how to fold that dollar bill and to put it in the collection plate. And so we learned that from an early age, and we thought it was great and thought about how much fun it was. And I did that all the way up until I went to Davidson as the business administrator <laughs> because I realized someone's got to unfold those. <laughs> oh, well. But for that moment in time for us, we knew we belonged right there on that pew, right there in that church, not because my mother and father brought us, but because the adults around us made us feel welcome. They engaged us because they said this is a place where children belong. So we welcome children, but here's the other part though. We welcome them so that they can learn, but we need to welcome them so that we can learn from them. See, children have a sort of an innocence about life. They have a different perspective that's pure and refreshing. They are not weighed down by the preconceptions of this world, by what we think, what we should say, what we should do. When they look on other children in the playground, if you ever watch them, they walk over to a playground, they start climbing on the, the toys, the monkey bars or whatever, and a new kid walks up. They don't try to gauge this kid by anything other than what their, their attitude. If they're sad, they want to cheer them up. If they're mad, they want to calm them down. If they seem friendly, they want to be around them. And they want to play with them. And they will make friends in ways that you and I think, oh, we need to be a little more reserved here, shouldn't we? But children, no. 
No, they're ready to hug each other. They're ready when you say, tell them goodbye. They will hug each other because that's how you show love. They will give each other a high five, a pat on the back, and a moment's notice because they know in their heart what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And they're not caught up in the world's ideals. How they look at the world of faith is also so important to us. Their perspective is very different. While they haven't studied theology, they don't have a Master of Divinity or a degree in theological studies, they've got theology figured out. Ever watch children at communion? Once they're told the very basics of us, they, they do amazing things. A few years back, we were serving communion in the church, and we were coming up, mom and dad, and we were standing there. One of us had the bread, the other one had the cup to do intinction. And as they got closer, the kid taps his mother's leg and he goes, Mom, I like this. This is the good stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's a loaf of bread. It's a bottle of juice. But they talked about it like they had the rarest of wines, the rarest of breads, the finest of foods, cooked by an executive chef in a world-renowned restaurant. This is the good stuff. I don't think it was about the quality. We know it's King's Hawaiian. We know it's Welch's grape juice. <laughs> they were talking about what it really represents. The body and blood of Christ given for you and for me. It is truly the good stuff. Faith has new meanings in their eyes. They trust in God with open hearts. Listen to them when they pray. Listen to what they pray for. They pray for difficult stuff. They pray for their friends who are going through loss of grandparents. They pray for trouble in the world. They see the TV news and we want to hide it from them. But you know what? They want to pray about the difficult times. And they pray in a way that's different. They pray about difficult things and they pray to God in heaven expecting God. Not hoping, not thinking, well, it might not or might not happen. They expect God to listen to them. And they expect God to answer those prayers. So what could they teach us today if we watched them? So here's my statement to them. Children, let your parents catch you. Let your parents, let the adults of this church catch you reading your Bibles. Let them catch you praying. Let them catch you being good to your neighbors. Because you have something to teach us. So my brothers and sisters, as we gather out here, as we listen to the joys of all of creation, the joys of all that God has given to us, in a few minutes we'll sit at a spread that is just wonderful, food that has been prepared for us and food that's been given to us. But before we get to that, we will come to this table. This is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Let our children come. Let our children lead us. Let our children learn, but let them show us the way. Because brothers and sisters, that's what the kingdom of heaven is about. Letting us all come to Christ, meeting God where we need to meet God, experiencing the good stuff. Amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.